0: How great are his signs, and how mighty are his wonders! His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. Daniel 4, verse
1: 3. Hello everyone, you are listening to A Word Fitly Spoken. I'm Willie Grills here with Zelwyn Heidi here to talk again about the book of Daniel. Zelwyn, how are you? Well, it's been kind of an interesting two weeks, Willie. Well, I hear North Dakota is closed due to weather.
0: That's true. I did open up a little bit at the time of this recording, but I suspect that it will be closed again by this evening. But we've had a a record, well, I wouldn't say record, a very sizable snowfall, I'll put it that way, that has come with some very wet and very heavy snow. So it's going to make uh, travel very difficult for at least a couple of days while we get it all cleared out. So, yeah, it's it's just that time of year. I mean, there's there's not much else we can say. Uh, I don't know. Are you getting any snow down your way or not?
1: <laughs> no, no. But we have gotten tremendous amounts of rain. It just is constantly raining. And uh, nobody is coming to repentance. And so we're soon going to have to seal up Arkansas and just float away. <laughs> Yeah. No, it's just a tremendous amount of rain. Hopefully we'll get some, uh, a break in here and, uh, can get some work done. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good.
0: I also was struggling with, uh, kind of a nasty cold for the past couple of weeks. And, uh, my voice pretty much gave out for a week there, which is why I wasn't able to do anything. I actually had to end up, I ended up having to cancel. I, I shouldn't say cancel. I had to have a substitute to do a couple of uh, services for me, just because I just couldn't talk.
1: Yeah, that's why we. Uh, that's why we couldn't get a, an episode in for the most part. And also, I told him you got to dig finding some yellow root that'll knock that out. But because of the permafrost, not able to do it.
0: I don't know if yellow root grows in the tundra.
1: <laughs> right. Well, then find a woolly mammoth tusk and <laughs> grind it up or something. Figure it out. It's got to be good for something.
0: I, I'm sure it's. I'm sure there's one. Under the the ice around here somewhere.
1: So right. And hey, before we uh, before we get into Daniel in earnest, we do want to give a shout out to WordFitly super fan Sam Novak and cur- congratulate him on the birth and rebirth of his uh, of his new daughter. So congratulations, Sam, on your daughter's safe birth and baptism. Indeed, the Lord's blessings be with you. Amen. Well, we haven't picked up uh, Daniel in a little while, and it's time to Bible post here on A Word Fitly Spoken. It's funny, you know, we're going to be in Daniel 4. We're going to talk about Nebuchadnezzar, a, uh, a leader whose pride uh, causes God to curse him with disease of the brain. He goes mad and and becomes and begins to act very strange, and uh, no reason in particular why we would do an episode like that at all. It uh, <laughs> just happened that way. Uh, but you know, I think it'll be a fun one.
0: Yeah, there's there's no there's no parallels, is what you're telling me. No, 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 not modern... at all. there
1: are, there are no parallels okay. to that because, as you know, God doesn't no God no longer acts in history and no longer gives people over to a debased mind or anything like that. That was just all pure uh, academic theory in the Bible or stuff that happened in the Old Testament. But <laughs> you know, like a good modern Christian, God became a deist after the Ascension. You know this.
0: It's true, now he's just sitting around doing nothing,
1: so he's just hanging out, waiting <laughs> for the second coming, which apparently isn't going to happen, um, according to some of these people, just by virtue of the way that they live. God's going to show up and go, everything's cool, the gospel predominates <laughs> take take this in a gospel way, <laughs> right, predominates you into the abyss, sir <laughs>
0: Oh, it's it's it should be a good time. But I mean, where do we where do we want to pick up with uh Daniel since it's been a while?
1: Well, let's um let's pick up toward the end of chapter 3. Now, this is chapter 3 is the famous fiery furnace. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego are uh, rescued. They are preserved in the midst of the fiery furnace after having been cast in there for refusing to uh commit the idolatry imposed upon them by King Nebuchadnezzar. In the midst of the furnace, they are Preserved by our Lord Jesus Christ, whichever way you want to take that, it was our Lord Jesus Christ doing it. You know they they are preserved, and this causes Nebuchadnezzar to marvel. And then here in uh, at the end of the chapter, so he's marvelled at that. He promotes Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, he says that anyone who speaks anything against their God will be torn limb from limb, their houses destroyed, because no other God is able to rescue this way. And so then we get into chapter four, where King Nebuchadnezzar is glorifying the one true God, which is kind of why the twist here is a little shocking.
0: Right. It, it appears that Nebuchadnezzar, for as far as he's comes, doesn't quite fully understand it yet, which is not surprising. I mean, you can have a pretty good idea of who God is, and you can even praise him for God and yet still not quite be where you should be. I mean, that's there's nothing unusual about that.
1: Yeah, and uh and Nebuchadnezzar it's kind of the tragedy of Nebuchadnezzar because he comes so so close, right? And that's the thing, you know, people forget. And now, while you can't ever I don't I'm not comfortable saying Nebuchadnezzar had what we'll call saving faith. Okay? But maybe however, we we see this a lot. We we forget that it's actually worse to be closer to the truth or to have the truth and then reject it, then to have never heard it. Now, right. don't misunderstand. Not having heard it's not an excuse. You're still condemned for the sins you committed. You're still cast into hell for that, apart from the right. gospel, of course. Right. But that's not what I'm saying. But sometimes we soothe ourselves and go, Well, this person, you know, they're a good Christian because they used to attend church and they were baptized, and and there we go. And Nebuchadnezzar's kind of a, an example here of nope, you can have the truth. You can confess the truth and have it dashed. Although he will come to repentance at the end, he disappears. And there's no, as far as I'm aware of, there's no tradition that Nebuchadnezzar eschews all paganism. Yeah, I
0: don't know. I mean, if we we're going strictly by Daniel. Text, yes. It's ambiguous. It's
1: ambiguous, I mean. yes. <laughs> um, And and if you don't stop, you know, if you don't go to the end of the chapter, you know, a lot of people get left where where he's cursed, where they're just sort of. You know mumbling or something, I'll do some digging, and all of a sudden I'll find, oh no, he actually became a believer <laughs> or something like that that
0: Nineveh feel
1: right, yeah, I mean it's it's it is
0: interesting to see him confessing, and maybe we'll get into the text here you know more specifically, but to yeah. see him confessing even great things about God and yet for him to still be humbled in the way that he will be in this chapter. I mean I think if nothing else especially for our context this says something about you know it's not enough to just say I am a Christian but then you know espouse any number of unchristian ideas you know that's yeah. that's not going to be good enough kind of a thing
1: Yeah and 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 we'll talk more about that and and we talk a lot about here that 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 your Christian life actually matters that you know you can't affirm all of these Contrary uh, to the scripture, excuse me, all these positions contrary to the scripture and claim to be a Christian. It's kind of like saying, Well, I hold all the points of the Nicene Creed and I'm not bound to anything else other than what are in those points. You know, yeah. or <laughs> or what we what we've heard recently is, oh, the book of Concord doesn't talk about X, therefore I can still be a confessional Lutheran because and deny certain parts of the Bible. Because because the Book of Concord doesn't explicitly say it, like that's not confessionalism. <laughs> uh, but maybe, maybe Nebuchadnezzar is kind of an example of that kind of compartmentalization, where you can recognize the glory and the honor and the power of the one true God, but still try to hold on to your other gods, right? And the Lord right. our God's a jealous God; he won't, he won't allow that.
0: Which is why, I mean, he will be humbled in this chapter because Correct. of this limping between two opinions. Yeah. use the language of Elijah.
1: Yeah. And there, and there is, as we'll talk about, you know, more down the road, um, that's a good thing to be humbled by the Lord. Sometimes the Lord will cause us to not, excuse me, the Lord will permit us to fall into heinous things in order that we would be humbled and repent. In this case, he causes Nebuchadnezzar to go mad. Cause and permit are different things, but the Lord is still using both.
0: Yeah. That, I think that'll be a spicy section when we get to it, but Maybe we should uh, start breaking down the, the, the chapter itself since it's kind of Yeah, let's long.
1: go. Yeah, yeah, I'll let you spearhead it there.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, so really, I think the first major, well, honestly, the first major section goes all the way down to verse 27. But let's just say for the sake of argument, we'll take the dream itself. Because you remember a couple of chapters ago in the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. That dream was explained. And that's why he set up the, the golden Uh, idol that he wanted everybody to worship. But now he has a second dream, which is given to him. And uh, that dream uh, begins in verse 10, which uh, says, The visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong, and its top reached to heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the heavens lived in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. Okay, so that's the first part of the dream, and uh, as Daniel is going to go on to explain, uh, who is that tree,
1: Willie? Um, as Daniel, oh, oh, well, we're we're jumping in Daniel here. Um, okay, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> you went you went you went a little faster on me there. That's uh, fine. The tree you saw, which became and grew so strong, says Daniel, so top that it was reached to heaven. And it is with the whole ends of earth, whose leaves are beautiful and its fruit abundant, and which food food was for all, under which the beasts of the field found shade, and in whose branches the birds of the field uh, the birds of the heavens live. It is you, O King, who have grown and become strong. So it's it's King. It's the King Himself. His greatness has grown reaches to the heavens, and his dominions to the ends of the earth.
0: Now I don't know. I mean, what what do you think is the signif- significance of the tree? I know that Ezekiel uh sometimes uses the imagery of trees to talk about princes but i mean what what do you think what do you think is the the meaning of it just being a tree?
1: Well, I feel like you're getting at something here uh no i'm just I'm just speculating i mean well i mean you have all the imagery yeah the i mean the tree connected to royalty connected to great lineages i mean even the image of of Christ is a tree or at least a bush, an olive tree. So, I mean, it's it's the root, it's the mighty, it's the strong. But here, I think what's particular is the height of the tree. Sure. Um, I mean, there's the beauty of the tree and the abundance, the prosperity it brings. And under which the beasts of the field found shade. So, you know, there you have this idea of mighty kind of protection. And then in whose branches the birds of the heaven live. So it's the strength, it's the greatness, it's the glory here, the worldly kind of glory he has shown. So it reaches your greatness has grown and reaches to heaven and your dominion in and your dominion to the ends of the earth. So he has become mighty. So what everything Nebuchadnezzar could take pride in is actually true. Yeah, but yet, yeah, that's still that's still going to be um, his occasion for sin. Well, I think
0: because the the point being that Daniel is trying to make and the reason why he's humbled, all of these things that. Nebuchadnezzar is, the height, you know, all of this mm-hmm. sort of thing yes, comes sir. from God. Absolutely. But that's what he doesn't yet realize.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing about pride, you know, and being haughty is it could be true, the things that you're, pri- you're prideful in. You may mm-hmm. be greatly skilled. You may be handsome or whatever, or beautiful. That That's not untrue. And yet it's the disposition of that. Right. That That turns into sin. If God has given you, you know, great power and great authority, he has given you that so that you could wield it to his glory and and, and in service to him, not in service to yourself and your own pride, your own belly either. Right.
0: Yeah. And I mean, and pride is such a a dangerous thing simply because, you know, it it sets us up in a place where we ought not be. And I think that's really the, the whole point. Of what you know Daniel is trying to tell Nebuchadnezzar here,
1: well, you know there have to be people in positions of authority right there 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 by nature has to be kings and rulers and princes. You can't not have that, and right. I would say that that's true in everything, even within the church there has to be there has to be authority, but you know, to put it in a pastoral context, the pastor is not to lord his authority over the congregation, which is the word the scripture uses by the way, apologies to Walter. <laughs> and uh, you know and which has caused so many headaches for pastors you know pastors are meant to be servants they are servants to their to to Christ and they serve their congregations but they are also to be obeyed and they are to be uh, listened to the same that you would obey your father the same as you would obey a civic ruler right and so just as the catechism teaches and the scripture teaches then the responsibility of those in authority is not to lord it over and to be a tyrant it's not to do it for their own ego and for their own glory, for their own ends. It's to exercise it according to the wisdom of Christ. The people who are under authority, they are to, to um, heed the admonitions of their superiors, of those who are in authority, and live in submission to them. That's the biblical model of everything. Authority, submission, and everybody is supposed to, whatever their vocation is, now it's sounding really Lutheran, sorry, Zolan, um, <laughs> is supposed to use that in service to God. And so for those who are in authority, there should be no occasion for pride. We, should give no, we, should, we shouldn't allow that to, to come into our hearts, and yet it, it, it often does. How much more, then, for those who have even greater authority, both in the church and in the civil government, in the civil right. realm?
0: Right. Well, one thing I would add to that before I talk about something else real quick, is that vocation is not synonymous with your job. Correct. Which, which I think sometimes it kind of gets presented that way. Uh, yeah. Um, vocation very much has to do with where God has put you. So that, right. you know, if I am in a certain, wherever I am in the social ladder, so to speak, um, that is where God has placed me. That is my vocation. And whether that means father, whether that means worker, you know, whatever that means. Right. Like your your
1: vocation is not like PE teacher. Your vocation is not dodgeball for 27 years. (laughs) It's what God called me to do, to dodge a (laughs) ranch. Right. It's a divine call. (laughs) But we all know what really makes a divine call, Zellin. Tax breaks. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) We're so uptaught.
0: (laughs) Uh, What I was going to point out, though, with what you were saying about authority, you actually see that reflected in the dream itself here, uh, because the king is presented as the tree Mm -hmm. into which everything else comes. So he is kind of the the supporting pillar of his kingdom, right? Yes. Yes. The birds, the beasts of the the earth would be representative of those whom he's ruling
1: over. And, you know, it's his he's the reason the empire is expanding the way it is. Right. And you see how, what that does to him. I mean, I mean, he is so beholden to his perceived authority, which are his gods, that it causes him to throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace. So God uses their rescue from the fiery furnace to actually humble Nebuchadnezzar a bit. Because his glorifying God at the beginning of this chapter and at the end of chapter 3 uh, is kind of evidence of him being humbled under the mighty power of the one true God, the right. Trinity. Right. But it doesn't yeah. seem to stick. <laughs> I mean, if it does well, stick, you know, he doesn't pass it on to Belshazzar.
0: Well, that's that's unfortunate. Yeah, let's, let's say, best possible case scenario, Nebuchadnezzar is a believer. Yeah, like too many cases in history, and even in the Bible, his son is not without question, and we'll get to that when we get to the next Next, chapter. Next
1: chapter, yeah.
0: But, but yeah. So I mean, we haven't got quite through the whole dream yet, but we can already see that Nebuchadnezzar is presented as you know this great king as one who has been set into this position, and as uh, Daniel will go on to show, you know that he has been given this position by God. But the reason why all of this was given to him is because he has not yet learned what that means exactly. And so I think as we continue on in the dream and in the vision, we will get a clearer picture of what it means to be humble, for one thing, and also what that means, you know, how that can coexist with even great power and authority.
1: Well, very good. We've got to take our, ne- our first break, rather. We'll be right back with more word fitly spoken right after this. You are listening to A Word Fitly Spoken. I'm Willie Grills here with Zoe and Heidi. We're talking King Nebuchadnezzar's dream in Daniel chapter 4. So Nebuchadnezzar is this mighty tree shading everything under his branches and housing the birds of the heavens, even. His greatness has grown and reached into heaven, his dominion into all of the earth. And so let's continue on with the dreams, Elvin. All right. And then the second part of the dream has a judgment which
0: is laid upon the tree. And as as Nebuchadnezzar himself says, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven and proclaimed a declaration to basically chop down the tree mm. and uh to leave it leave the stump bound and to let it, you know, basically become something else for a time. Uh specifically verse sixteen, let his mind be changed from a man's and let a beast mind be given to him, and let seven t- periods of time pass over him, uh, because this decree has been made. As he goes on to say, that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdoms, kingdom of man, and gives it to whom He will, and sets mm. it sets over it the lowliest of men. And that was basically the dream. Kind of takes an interesting turn there.
1: Right now, Zelwyn, when you're having prophetic dreams. Who <laughs> interprets them for you? Or do you just know? Well, the Holy Spirit, obviously. Naturally. <laughs> it's in Acts, folks. It says, Zell and Heidi will dream dreams. Admit <laughs> it up. Uh, Acts 2, master. look it up. <laughs> uh, now, this is a very interesting one. Let his mind be changed from a man's and let a beast's mind be given to him. Yeah, uh, let him be wet with the dew of heaven which is an interesting uh, word if you look in the Septuagint for that, but we won't get into it. It's a lot of do is all I'm saying. (laughs) Uh, But uh, so anyway, the the Holy inspired Septuagint is what I meant to say. Right, right. Now the king saw a watcher, Holy One come down from heaven. So are are we supposed to talk about Jude and Enoch again? The answer is yes.
0: (laughs) Implying that this isn't a Jude podcast. Right.
1: This is now an eight part episode on this verse. (laughs) No, we're not going to spend any time on that, but uh, an angel from heaven comes. So a holy one coming down, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump of its root in the earth bound with a band of iron in the tender grass of the field. Daniel, you know, it's funny. Daniel interprets this, but it kind of seems like pretty clear what's going to happen here. Right. Uh, And so his interpretation, if you're ready to get into it.
0: Yeah, no, I, okay. I think I think we almost have yeah. to. because Otherwise, <laughs> it is, we're just talking about
1: yeah. the deep. So you know. 24, it, O King, is a decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the King, that you shall be driven from among men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox. You shall be wet with the dew of heaven, and seven periods of time will pass over you. till so you know that the Most High rules the kingdom and gives it to whom he wills? Okay, so it is commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree. Your kingdom shall be confirmed for you, From the time that you know that heaven rules, therefore, O King, let my counsel be accepted. You break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed. There may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. It's what we call a conditional promise, by the way, which is in the Bible. We act as if things aren't conditional. Repent and believe is a conditional promise. I'm sorry, it just is. There's there's the spicy take for today. Well, you you need to hear it, folks, like like never mind i won't get into it just yet i'll get well, into it we'll get into it we'll let's get into just, it we'll get into it let's
0: take it let's take it one step at a time here so
1: yeah
0: um so the tree being chopped down is the humiliation in can answer i mean that's that much yes. is clear i do think that it's interesting that the exact nature of his humiliation is given here um yeah. this isn't just going to be like oh i'm going to cast you down but the lord actually tells him This is what's going to happen when you are cast down for a time, right? Um, Which in itself shows the, uh, the the sovereignty of God, wouldn't you say? Sure,
1: yeah. And God can raise you up, and God can make you low, right? But it's the Lord who puts you in power. Now, for Christians, you know that's a hard one to swallow, but we understand it that we 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 are forced to be faithful even under wicked rulers. But for the rulers, this is meant as a call to repentance i've put you here right not to do your will but to do my will right well, i mean that's isn't even even the
0: the much misquoted romans 13 makes that point right Right. that god sets the ruler in that position to carry out his will of restraining evil of punishing the wicked on earth he's right. not put into that position to just do as he wills exactly this isn't, this isn't crowley you know what, you know what i'm saying Right. I figured I had to throw some weird stuff Right. In well, and yet,
1: point. you know, Crowley's um, spirit lives on in the Church of Satan and the Libertarian Party. So.
0: <laughs> I think you're just trying to find the spiciest take you can, can I give can, here.
1: I can, but if we're honest, Crowley's spirit lives on in all the parties, because they all say the same thing. Anytime where liberty, just this base idea, this generic divorce-from-God concept of liberty exists, that's what you have. Do as you thou have, wilt. Yeah. yeah. That's where the Thelemites are.
0: Well, and unfortunately, um, Nebuchadnezzar is kind of of that opinion, right? That he can do as he wills simply yep. because he is the king. And right. I think th- I think that is the great temptation of every ruler, you know, whether they are Christian or not.
1: Right. Right. And, you know, I I know it's always the debate nowadays over and there's a resurgence in monarchism, monarchy uh, appreciation and people saying the only biblical government is monarchy, which is arguably true. But I'm just saying just once I'd like to live under a Christian king or Christian dictator would would also accept, you know, give it a shot, because this uh, this uh, so-called democracy just isn't working out.
0: Yeah, but this is also kind of like uh people hankering for bishops in the church, which again, I can I can certainly, you know, understand wanting to have a bishop, but like with anything, it's great as long as, you know, things are going the way they should. You know, a Christian a king would be fine if he was a Christian king. Right. Can you imagine having a king and yet acting like our rulers do now? Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying uh, but you know at least at least we could say well he's appointed we didn't vote him in okay <laughs> that I mean you could sleep a little better you know at least you could say well will the lord will handle it <laughs> <But> <laughs> then cromwell shows up it gets complicated that's all i'm saying
0: i i really do think that the the final breakup of word fitly will be over english history
1: well everything, every, everything is at the end of the day about english history <laughs>
0: But I mean so we have but we also have within this judgment, and we'll talk about the judgment itself when we get into the next segment, but we have within the judgment a kind of uh I don't if let's say a limiting. I'm not gonna call it a promise per se, because I'm not sure that it is one, but this idea that the stump is left in place so that in the in the time that Nebuchadnezzar does repent, the kingdom will be returned to him. So well God yeah from is, yeah from
1: the time you know that heaven rules. Right. Uh that's why the yeah that's explicitly why the stump is there. The right. stump is 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 an act of mercy. There's your there's your gospel if you want to if you want to do that parsing. But there it is. There's the promise. I'm going to give you an opportunity to repent. And if you do repent, there perhaps won't be a lengthening of your days.
0: Right. Which of course gets back into
1: your conditional promises. It is a conditional promise. Covenants are conditional, by the way. I feel like I need to talk about that. Even though it's God's working to bring about our salvation, that's still a conditional covenant. Because covenants are by nature conditional. That's how they work. Right. Even just a basic contract has conditions. It does does damage to the word to pretend it doesn't. If you do this, I do this. I am offering you this. Right. Okay, so let's do it in the biblical covenantal way. The larger party... Namely, God gives the stipulations. Right. Okay, there's the stipulations. Now, it's up to you.
0: I think the only thing that people would probably quibble with, and sure. I'm just just throwing this out. I mean, I, I'm right on board with you, but is that if we say it's conditional, oh, well, then, you know, how can that be... Comforting, you know, that it does does not put it back on us in some way.
1: Yeah, I would like people to to know that, that your comfort is not the end-all be-all, that you've gotten so comfortable that that's why you're in the shape you're in. Because we've gotten so comfortable that we've fallen asleep. Sure. The very fact that this statement, repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, is both law to some people and gospel to others, is fact that it's the Holy Spirit, okay, that is going to work that word in people. right. And so the comfort is not in the fact that you must believe, repent, and be baptized. It is that it is God that is working within you to bring that about. And that it is God who keeps you. And that as we call upon God, and as we receive, let's say, the sacrament, and receive absolution, and are gathered around the Word, that God is giving us faith and strengthening faith. Right, right. There it is. You know, we've, we've so talked about all these doctrines we've compartmentalized them in such a way that that they don't all connect together to form a whole Christian they, they we've 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 separated them out that we can't talk about anything else and if we do talk about these theological subjects they're all separate but they're not the glory of God the providence of God, salvation and the means of grace the Christian life and the Christian response are all part and parcel of the same thing the religion that we call Christianity, the one true faith. And yeah, it robs people it might rob some people of their comfort, but only for're doing it in the wrong way. But what does it give someone when we preach the gospel in such a way the gospel in the broad sense that that they're never shaken right that's why that's why we have a faith that ends about eleven o'clock on Sunday and doesn't wake up again until about eight o'clock the next Sunday morning because they're not really comforted they're not really comforted in the gospel they're comfortable. In something, not the same thing. Well, well,
0: and I think, and I think maybe one way of looking at this too is that sometimes people struggle with the imperatives, especially the imperatives connected with the gospel, because yeah. right. this is very, this is very much related to what you're talking about. And I don't think we need to be troubled about them at all. You know, believe on Jesus Christ is a command.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, and we should not right. see it as anything other than a right. command.
1: Well, being frankly, baptized is yeah. a command, <laughs> <laughs> right? And and nobody sees this. Like these the, conversations like this don't come up when the Book of Concord is being written. And frankly, we're not preaching to that same group, right? We're preaching to a very very different group. Though, while the gospel doesn't change, they need to hear something. They need to hear it from a different angle. I guess we'll say, right? Right? Yeah.
0: I mean, not yeah, the book of concord is is right in what it says, but it was addressing different issues
1: It' addressing different issues, and you know the crowd that Luther is preaching to, or even that Chemnitz is preaching to, is very different from the crowd we're preaching to, and I mm-hmm. don't mean necessarily our congregations, but kind of but the the broader culture right and and because and we can become very stunted if we're not careful, right, right. But
0: as far as like the actual conditional aspect of these promises, mm-hmm. uh, that need not trouble us because, yeah, Correct. I mean, yeah, God yeah. does say, you know, if if you do this, you know, if you believe on Jesus Christ, if you call on him as Savior, you will be saved.
1: No one the, can come to me unless the Father sent me draws him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, so it's come okay. Come unto me all you who are weary and I will give you rest and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Yeah. I mean, that's Which is, the rest is
0: contingent on coming, coming to him.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Come and rest, you know, man, I'm tired. Well, quit standing up, go rest, <laughs> put that burden down, lay the burden down, my friend.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, and and so when it comes to these things, you know, we shouldn't be troubled by this language because one, for one thing, it's biblical if we're quibbling, quibbling with the way the Bible presents things, we have a problem.
1: Yeah. You know, Zoe, a lot of right. our stress and angst is because we're so worried about cutting such a straight line that sometimes, you know, it's like that we get stressed just overthinking it theologically. Right. Like, just let, let the Bible speak, dude. Trust in <laughs> Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Okay? <laughs> Study His Word, but don't be neurotic, I guess right. is what I'm saying here. Right. Well, and, and also,
0: I mean, if, if we're going to come to these promises you know, we also have to recognize that uh, God, I mean, uh, how do do I put this? You know, with the conditional promises, God is not speaking to the one who cannot respond to the one dead in sins. In many cases, Mm -hmm. you know, he is speaking to the one who has been regenerated. So, you know, when he says, come unto me, he's speaking to the one who has faith, the one who has already been given life. So, I mean, the, the will of the Christian is a living and active thing.
1: Well, I would say, you know, yes, it's true. And and in that particular context, yeah, nobody is going to feel the burdens of their sins or the weight of living in a sinful world if God has not already acted upon them. I think that's true. Right. But I do think the gospel goes out even to the dead. But the gospel also enlivens the dead. Right. Resurrects the dead. It, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. So, you, you, so maybe the way of putting it is is the command goes out but it, with it, comes the gift of being able to respond to the command. Is, what, is that sure. what you're saying?
1: Yes, and and also when I talk about preaching to, we'll say the current year, for lack of a better better phrase, I am not talking. I'm not saying that the way that some people do it, which is, you know, we have to uh, deconstruct everything and have every you know leftist talking point or anything. I'm actually saying quite the opposite. We need to speak in such a way that we are tearing down uh, the prevailing wisdom of the world. And I, and I think our audience knows that, but if you're just tuning in, <laughs> if this is your first time, please do not mis uh, misunderstand what we're okay. doing here.
0: Do we really want to get spicy and talk about the conditional nature of, of prophecy,
1: too? Or, well, I guess so. We got a few minutes left, and you know, <laughs> we're we not even got into the uh, into the curse yet. So, yeah. Well, that'll be the third segment. So, well, Nebuchadnezzar gets twelve months before that happens. Well, this this is <laughs> this
0: is kind of like I, I pointed out recently. I think it was in a sermon, actually, that um, God can move and change uh, prophecy based on His will. To that, yeah. it's not a immutable. How do I don't want to say. I don't want to be misunderstood here. That, like for example, God can delay a judgment. Based on repentance, God can hasten a judgment. Based on
1: belief, God can give you land and take it away based on your sin. Yeah, hypothetically, so. <laughs> <laughs> not that that
0: figures prominently anywhere in the Bible. And word fitly
1: spoken, lost a billion dollars in a day.
0: <laughs> uh, but I mean, so I well, mean, this this of course is coming from like Second Peter. You know, right. hastening the coming of our Lord, that sort of thing.
1: Um, well, what about what about something like Second Chronicles seven that everybody loves to quote, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from them and will forgive their sin and will hear their land. If big old
0: honking if, yeah.
1: Somebody's gonna come in and some some numerically uh some numerically named organization will come in and say, "Well, no. If you knew Hebrew, you would know this is a <laughs> or something, uh, constructive." And uh, and that and if actually doesn't mean if; it means definitely, totally, no matter what, this will happen. So,
0: okay. So, just so I understand here, we've gone from talking about conditions with the gospel to talking about conditions with prophecy and now we're just talking about completely baffling people with malanguages the way some do right
1: right <laughs> but enough about cincinnati um,
0: <laughs> no no you're right i mean we well Look, there's is, a, this-
1: listen there's a connection between sophistry and uh, destruction of faith and what Indeed. sophistry does is it takes the plain meaning of scripture and confuses everything that's why you have all this confusion it's 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 all connected this whole waffling and trying to pretend as if language isn't actually language it, language is complicated, but language is also simple at the same time. And, um, and 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 certain things function the same way in every language, namely conditional statements, right. Um, now, tenses get you know, I understand, we all work in the languages, Zelan and I both do. We understand how things work but it's a little bit too convenient when they always have something up their sleeve to undo what it in every other context would clearly mean.
0: The only, this is, this is kind of my personal take on, you know, how to approach languages, especially in preaching. So take it as you will. But I feel that the, the only time that languages should be mentioned, like, you know, this is what the Greek says, or this is what the Hebrew says are those times when it would give greater clarity but only mm-hmm. as like an additional coloring to what you're already saying. Yes. So like, you know, or maybe you're quibbling with a particular translation for whatever reason. If I trot out languages as a way to say that's not what this actually means on its face, it actually means xyz, <laughs> that is sophistry.
1: I would agree. Yes. So And we have and we have too much of that. We have too, we much, have of that, way too causes- much of that and it causes It causes two major issues among many. One, it causes people to doubt that the Bibles in their homes are the actual scriptures. Right. Insofar as it's a good translation. And and two, it causes us to, it's why we can't speak to the issues of the day. Because it's like I mentioned with the Book of Concord earlier. If you go, oh, well, the Book of Concord doesn't say this, well, I'm not bound to it. Well, they do the same thing with the scriptures. Oh, the scriptures, yeah, they clearly say X, Y, and Z, but they don't actually mean that
0: because x y and z
1: yeah because of my x y and z yeah because of this hidden key that i have that you um, primitives do not understand but hey we've got to take our next break we'll be right back with more word fitly spoken after this Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to A Word Fitly Spoken. I'm Woodley Grills here with Zell and Heidi. We're talking Daniel chapter four and the humiliation of Nebuchadnezzar. So we've gone through the dream and the interpretation of the dream and the prophecy and the conditions thereof. Well, let's see how it turns out, Zel. Yeah.
0: So it turns out basically exactly as <laughs> as Daniel said it would. There's the end of the episode. No, <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar is humbled. Especially as he's standing on his on his on the roof of his palace, he says, "Is this is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty?" I mean, that's a pretty pretty proud statement if you think about right. it. That I have done all of this, you know, my majesty has created all of this. And even while he is still speaking, a voice comes to him and basically drives him out from civilization so that he becomes like a ox eating grass and basically acting like an animal for seven years. I mean, that's a pretty wild, pretty wild judgment, but it, it drives home the point, right? That not only has he been humbled and brought down from his lofty position, he's actually been made something less than a man uh, for a time. So that he realizes, you know, that this is yeah. he is yeah, so who he is because of God.
1: Yeah, he's eating grass like an ox. His body was wet with the dew of heaven. So it's so and it's like he's he's living outside. Right. His hair grew as long as eagle's feathers, his nails like bird claws. He's become a wild man, as we would say, in my neck of the woods. He, he went in a
0: woods. Is
1: that what right. we're saying here? Ultimate <laughs> example of it. And <laughs> and so yeah that this is this is the judgment that comes upon him now one wonders what his servants and satraps and such were were thinking at this time because he, because he presumably still gets to be king, but they're going to be ruling in his stead. I wonder this is pure speculation if um if they didn't see this as an opportunity to do what they wanted well, <laughs> you sure know I'm sure of that like you have a ruler who's clearly you know incapacitated, and so now we can rule in his stead no i'm 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 sure of it i mean there's there's
0: too many historical examples of other kings who went insane uh in that that time was either exploited or they basically just had a a regent to rule in his place and I imagine that's probably what happened one of those two
1: so right so the king's out he's running around doing not kingly stuff, eating grass you know this is. This is a very uh, stark example of God giving someone over to a debased mind. Mm-hmm. Now it happens all the time. It happens to entire societies per the book of Romans. right Here it's happened in a very particular and individual way. but you know when we talk about our day, I don't know if people are becoming more animalistic or excuse me I don't know if people are becoming less human in in this way, either more animalistic or more artificial, and yet it's somehow both. And so what do I mean by that? Well, we're becoming animalistic because we're behaving like animals. It's kind of like a horse foundering. You put too much food in front of it, and it's just going to keep eating, right? right. Um, or whatever, you know, certain animals do that. We're becoming that way. Uh, the same thing with um, sexual relations, okay? Now, but we're becoming so artificial, and even that has been sterilized. Or our entire life is becoming artificial in the sense of everything is virtual and digital, and the food is overprocessed, and, and everything is becoming. So we're becoming less and less human and more animalistic and yet more plastic. Man made horrors beyond our comprehension. Right. So we're well, like and, Nebuchadnezzar, and we're not like Nebuchadnezzar.
0: Well, and I think especially because you, you pointed out that. This is a debasement of his mind, especially because of his sins. Yes. And I, I think that's important to see because there's been lots of times where people will try to explain this away as just a mental illness of some kind, that this is Nebuchadnezzar just mm. kind of went crazy for a little while. And, um, and after he recovered, they attributed it to, to God or something like that, some naturalistic explanation like that. But I think it's worth seeing here that even those kinds of things, you know, what even we might term a mental illness is something that for the lack of a better way of putting it, God will put on someone right. Either mm-hmm. for his own, for his own glory or for judgment. I mean, cause I mean, it's hard to come to the Bible and not come away with, you know, <laughs> who has made yeah. man's mouth. Is it not right. I the Lord?
1: Now there's also every case of like the man born blind, too. Right. Um, that's what I so, that's what I meant
0: there, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. For his uh, glory. And,
1: right. But yeah, sure. But I mean to, to make to be sure that sometimes these things come upon people through no fault of their own. Right. This is through fault of Nebuchadnezzar, but it's God right. doing
0: it. Right. Right. I and, guess I'm just I'm just speaking against, you know naturalistic explanations, even yes. that we yes. as Christians will sometimes just swallow whole. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you know, oh, well, that's just a chemical imbalance, so just some kind of naturalistic thing. Right. Possession's not real. Clearly, this isn't demonic. If you can't look at what is happening to people's minds and not see sin and not see the demons at work, you know, we that unseen world we have just completely forgot about. We get so excited. We'll read a book about Christians in Madagascar or whatever and be like, see, they believe in that. I'm like, well, why don't you believe in it? Do you think that you think those spirits are only at work there? Right. Like (laughs) you think that because it doesn't look like a a B horror movie that, that that's not demons. You think that what they're teaching children now is not demonic. Do you think that even, even the fact that average church attendance is only, What's considered heavy church attendance nowadays is only once a month. Do you think that that's not due to the whispering of demons in people's ears and appealing to their own sinful nature? This is a heavier podcast than I intended. I thought we were just going to talk about, you know, president eating grass or something.
0: Well, we can still talk about that too.
1: We'll get there. We'll get there. No, it's,
0: yeah, it's, it's a heavy topic, but it's one that we need to talk about, right? Because unfortunately, You know, we are in a time that has been or is being, however you want to look at it, handed over to a debased mind. Mm -hmm. And if we are not going to be debased, you know, to be conformed to this world, uh, we have to think like God. And that means that if that means that I have to rethink how I think about things or if I have to seriously look pretty hard at how I think about things,
1: I need to do it. So here's the good news. So he's got burnt, he's got big long toenails and shaggy hair. You know, he's he's getting ready to start seminary. <laughs> oh. No, no, he's his appearance is bad and uh and so but the end of these days I Nebuchadnezzar lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me and I blessed the most high and praised and honored him who lives forever. And we'll talk about what he says, but I want you to know this. I lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me. I don't think Zelwyn that this means that he looked up. Okay, it's that he it's that he repents. He turns to God. It's not merely the physical looking up; it is recognizing his sin and lo- and turning toward God. And my reason returned to me. So he now you now you could quibble and go, but he says that he I turned my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me. But that can all be all part of the same coin, like repent, believe, which comes first. You actually kind of have to believe before you repent, but you repent and believe, right? Right. right. You can't separate the two.
0: Well, I I think maybe the, just to kind of build on that, the lifting up because before he -hmm. was looking at himself.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: And then he was made to look down Mm -hmm. towards the grass and now looking up, is his restoration it is his repentance
1: yeah. so and, and I would argue that repentance is fundamentally a change of disposition not a physical turning it's a turning of disposition yeah and okay. and so a change of perspective if you will but obviously more significant than that
0: a change in the will would you say
1: now you're going to make too- people nervous now you're going to make people nervous <laughs> why am I going to make them nervous? You know, we talk about the Calvinists making people into robots. Let's say what you want about the Calvinists, and I do say plenty. They, uh, they don't verb things that shouldn't be verbed. I'll put it that way. <laughs> um, but no, there is an exercise of the will. God grants right. you a will that can now do it. It's all God. But it's still you doing it. It's still, as you experience it, you are repenting. As right. you experience it, you are coming from unbelief to belief. By God's power. By God's power. By God's power. But it's not like you're just going to be sitting in a chair one day and go, "Oh, I just got saved," (laughs) right? (laughs)
0: We're turning into Anabaptists now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but you got to be. You 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 may actually end up turning into that if you're not careful. Why does Luther preach so much? Why does he urge people toward things? Because Luther understands it that you, (laughs) Luther, who wrote. The bondage of the will understood well, exactly what we're saying here. Well, and I think, and I th-
0: bringing up preaching is, is an excellent point too, because you know what is preaching apart from an appeal to the will?
1: No, no, preaching is where you say some things to make people feel really bad, but they know that you're going to undo it completely by the end of the sermon. That's what preaching is. <laughs> so you, so you I, say things that are that, that they know in theory they're supposed to feel bad about. Then you say something that, in theory, they're, it's supposed to make them feel good because you undid all of that. Because it doesn't matter anyway. Because right? it doesn't matter anyway, right. That's what a, that's a sermon.
0: Well, I mean, because in, in a serious sense, though, preaching is a kind of persuasion, right?
1: Yeah. Whether well, Now, the fact is we don't like to talk about that because, because the pendulum swung too far in revivalism. That is true. And we have episodes on that. But you're still preaching to human beings, which are rational souls, mm-hmm. and so yeah, you are appealing to that. If you're if you're exhorting in any sense, you are appealing to that. If you're preaching in a way, even if you're preaching to comfort with the gospel, it's the same kind of appeal. And right. You're speaking to that to that part of of the rational mind, and so yeah, that's absolutely true. We forget that. Because you're structuring the words in such a way, if if preaching wasn't rhetorical, and if you weren't at least using some kind of rhetoric in order to accomplish a goal, because that's sort of what any kind of discourse is, especially a sermon, if it's not at least in part that, if not the whole thing that, then you might as well just have the lectionary and nothing else, because then you would just the 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 word would do that, The, the the lectionary itself would accomplish would accomplish it otherwise. But no, you need to. Exposit and exhort, and do all the things that you're called to do in the New Testament. Well, and that's uh, what well. App- and it's like in the Old Testament, they they had forgotten the law, mm-hmm. so they had to publicly read it and explain it,
0: right? So the people would know. Well, and that's that's really is the purpose of application, too, right? It's not just the reading of the the Bible, although that's important. We need to hear that, but it's also to recognize that this is how it actually applies to me. So that it changes something about.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, who it's I the whole reason we do the service in the vernacular, so that people right. could hear it and know what it means, so that it might actually apply to them.
0: So that they could live accordingly.
1: Yes. <laughs> All this very simple stuff. And, and I know some of you are listening and go, why are they even talking about this? Like, believe me, folks, it gets that weird out there. People become so um, boxed in and compartmentalize i've used that i've overused that term this episode my apologies uh but that's what happens and and so they they speak this way and they begin to say really bizarre and frankly kind of stupid things and we look dumb because of it it's a poor reflection on us when we speak in, in certain ways right because it makes us sound irrational and unbiblical because it is irrational and unbiblical
0: so okay. we don't always have to call reason a whore is what i'm saying
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> but but that's actually what we were doing back in our language discussion. Even though that's not really reason, you're just kind of making things up. But right, but it's the same idea. It's it's just and kind of what Luther means is you know just always having to have some answer for a problem when you at the heart don't feel that the Bible answers it to your satisfaction. Right, right. You so you put- either you either reason it to your own explanation or you make up rules to your own explanation. And that's not the way to do it.
0: Well, it is the way to do it. I mean, but God has made us to be rational creatures. You know, yeah. we think in this way. We think. I mean, that's that's what part of what makes us human.
1: Yeah, you know, what? Yeah, Nebuchadnezzar's curse is he's turned into an animal who doesn't think. And when he's and when he given a human mind again, his reason returns to him.
0: Let the reader understand.
1: Let the reader understand. So we got a few minutes left. Then what should we leave the what should we leave the audience with? Oh, man. Now, everybody's wondering is, are your leaders uh, cursed? Or are they given over to a debased mind? If you're in most of our listening countries, the answer is an unequivocal yes. Without question. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, And, and pick your party for that matter. Right. I don't mean to be partisan in this, but at the same time, a little bit, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, we, you end up with like American politics and it being what it is. And uh, it doesn't matter what side you're on, frankly, yeah um you you deal with our current political situation and seeing the things that are going on there, I mean, even bizarre behavior i mean it's it's hard to imagine a situation more like Nebuchadnezzar,
1: yeah, and I want to say we're not taking the middling position like, oh, both parties are bad. I'm just saying they're but they both serve the same ends at this point, right because you elect one and the same thing happens.
0: Yeah, this but least, is. This but, but
1: at least you know we could be Canadian and getting suicide commercials, though.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, didn't they just pass some sort of, um, supporting sodomy act in or here in the United
1: States? Well, yeah, and it's what it's 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 called like a Defense of Marriage Act or something. Yeah, you know. respect
0: for marriage. Respect yeah, for a, marriage. That's what, what it is. Yeah.
1: But and uh, LDS Church, you know, sides with it, of course, and uh, others, and you just you just got to shake your head. Well because it's it is again when I went back to it, it is enshrining liberty as the greatest thing when right. actually liberty only exists in Christ right you are free in Christ um that's that's true liberty um secular liberty ironically only leads to tyranny you know something akin to Aztec worship curiously enough
0: well because real godly liberty is founded on and shaped by God's law.
1: So yeah. that's freedom—freedom freedom to uh, live according to God's will, freedom to love your neighbor as yourself, and with the Holy Spirit working within you, the ability to do so. Imagine what a horrible society that would be. Everybody would be walking around in Handmaid's Tale uh, regalia. I'm sure it would be just awful. <laughs> But if it's Christians controlled, there would be violence and executions. Yeah, I'm glad we don't have any violence in the country now. Or executions for that matter. (laughs) Or executions for that matter. The border is perfectly fine. This is not a political podcast, by the way. Um, But it is. But it is. Because guess what? You can't separate the two, folks. You cannot separate the two. Christ is king. God is king. And God is in heaven. And our king is coming again. And as we go through Daniel, we'll see that even more clearly. But Nebuchadnezzar was granted a measure of repentance, and he is able to say things like, For his, for God's dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done? And he goes on to talk about his reason returning to him. And for the glory of his kingdom, his majesty and splendor returned to him, things like that. So, God is faithful to what he told Nebuchadnezzar. And I do think, even though I know a lot of you are a little black pilled, and I completely understand it, and you believe that your homes and nations perhaps are beyond repentance, but with God, nothing is impossible. If we pray for our nation, and, and even more than that, if we preach boldly to our nation, if we will pretend as if, Our nation is is worthy of evangelism or at least reckon that no nation is worthy of evangelism but god in his mercy has said go ye into all nations we can realize that we can preach to america again instead of pointing overseas and going look at all the great lutheran works over there we would preach the pure gospel and preach the word and preach with fire and live as christians trusting that the holy spirit is at work within us then hey Maybe Nebuchadnezzar will lift his eyes to heaven again. Indeed. Amen. Well, this has been a Word Fitly Spoken. If you like what you heard and want to know more, check us out at wordfitlyspoken.org, facebook.com, slash wordfitly, or Twitter at wordfitly. I'm Willie Grills here with Zoe and Heidi. God love you, and God bless.
0: And I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand, or say unto him, What doest thou?